I'm so excited today to have somebody I'm so inspired by. She is an eternal optimist. She's a STEM advocate, diversity and inclusion person in our community that's really looking to empower the youth, people that are underrepresented. And she also has just a little bit of a career at Microsoft where she is helping the Azure team as a support engineer. We're here today with Grace McJones. Grace, how are you doing? It's so nice to have you on our podcast. I'm doing great. Um, So excited to be here. Uh, It's a pleasure to have you here. And I think when I uh, reached out to you, there's two reasons. uh, There's many reasons, but there's two reasons to that come up. We know when I think about Grace McJones and the first one is I think you're one of the brightest minds in the game for for all those reasons we'll talk about on the call. But I think, too, I mentioned it to you. It's your energy. You know, so when when I say optimist, when you come into the room, it's also because you have that bright smile and that bright energy. So I'm hoping our audience gets to capture some of that today to get to learn about you. So we'll just start off. But I'd love to learn a little bit more about you, uh, your background, where you grew up, maybe a little bit about your family and kind of your journey and and kind of get you where you are today. Sure. Um, and thank you so much for your kind words. I know that during times like this, it's hard to be an optimist. So, but I'm happy to always bring positive energy wherever I'm at. So from the beginning, right? Um, so I was born in Nigeria. My parents migrated to the U.S. when I was about 10. Um, and for me, there was a lot of culture shock coming. I think the first thing was the educational system. Um, definitely different from what I grew up knowing. Um, and I never really saw myself in tech because no one in my family was in the tech field and some and tech something that I discovered later on. But yeah, moved to the United States when I was 10 um, and I lived in Virginia for a while and then decided to go to college. And the first time I went to college was in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I remember just, you know, being kind of clueless because I'm like, okay, this is cool, but I didn't know what I wanted to study or what I wanted to do. Um, so I ended up dropping out the first time because school is expensive and I was like okay let me figure out what I want to do so I'm not like wasting money um being undecided so I took some time off and I had friends in college who were studying you know what I was studying international relations and they graduated and didn't have a job waiting for them and most of them had to go get their master's and so for me when I decided to go back school I was like hey I need to study something that's actually impactful right after graduation and that's why I kind of like put my focus in and I knew that tech was something that was kind of like booming in a sense. And the only reason why I got interested in tech was because I worked as a graphic designer um, at my university and I would play around with Photoshop, Illustrator, because um, I'm creative at heart. And I was like, this is really cool. Like I wouldn't have a job without the software. Like it kind of blew my mind. and. I went down a rabbit hole of just researching and like, what is Photoshop created from? Like, how was it created? And I saw wow. it was a programming language. I'm like, what are programming languages? And so kind of did my own research. Um, and that's what really got me excited about being in tech, about creating things to help other people create um, and just even having jobs in a sense. So that's just a little bit about me. And now um, I'm at Microsoft. And obviously there's a longer story to that journey, but that's kind of a, a brief summary. Gets you up to, yeah, let's get you caught up right now. Let's get Grace in, a, in, in 20 seconds, you know, recap your whole life story. No, absolutely. <laughs> We're going to dig into some of that stuff. You know, part of, I think, the synergy that you and I have is, you know, I was also an immigrant and I came to the U.S. at eight and nine years old. 
And it's so hard to describe that feeling to people. It's, you, you mentioned Virginia, you know, I landed luckily uh, as well in Seattle. And mm -hmm. to go from the Middle East to Seattle or to Tulsa, Oklahoma or to Virginia, you have no context. It's wherever you go is amazing. And you're surprised about uh, the tremendous amount of opportunity that's available to you in America. So it's very easy to go to college and there's just so much and there's groups and there's things you can do in your free time and man you can go down that rabbit hole that you described right so it's just an influx of so much noise information opportunity and you know uh, the immigrant story why I love it so much it's about landing somewhere and then taking that and just driving it to whatever your goals are so you described right. going into graphic design you know and that curiosity of how am I creating this art in this system and what's behind it? And then thinking another layer and saying, somebody engineered this. Oh, there's a code, uh, there's a language. And it's really kind of something people don't see, right? It's an elegant solution. Right. You see the, the user interface. You don't see everything in the background. So I'd love to maybe just quickly talk about people that are creative, right? And then having the opportunity to end up in a tech career. Um, I listened to one of your podcasts, that's something I didn't mention in the intro, is your Tech Unlocked podcast and how you're looking to kind of demystify all these myths around technology. You know, it seems like something people can't break into, but you're a graphic designer, you know, in the beginning, right? And now you're an engineer at Microsoft and then you had a guest, uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about you know, the guests that you had and how they went from being an artist to now being a coder and why they did it as well. Yeah. So on one of the episodes of the Tech Unlock podcast, I had the pleasure of interviewing Demarius Edwards. And I was very fascinated with his story because I hear a lot of times people, you know, tell me they want to transition into tech or they have different passions and they don't want to join tech because it seems nerdy or uncool. And for, you know, the guests that I had, he kind of shared how he was, you know, a touring artist, you know, putting out music um, and it would look good on the front end. Right. Like, yep. you know, you have all this attention. But on the back end, he was a broke, struggling artist. And for him, he was just like, you know, how can I make my life better? Like, what can I do? Um, and then he found, um, you know, a boot camp and decided to kind of start that journey of coding. Um, and now he's a coding instructor at, a, at another boot camp teaching um, black and underrepresented folks how to code. And I really love this story because it shows that literally anyone can join the tech industry um, and you don't have to sacrifice your passion doing so. And another thing is that he's able to empathize and sympathize with other folks that he teaches now. They can look up to him and see how inspiring that is. Um, and, and I just love that he brings his energy. I remember one of the questions I you know, had asked on the show is like, what did you bring from being an artist into the tech world? And he says, storytelling, you know, my music's about storytelling. And so oh, cool. um, when I code or when I, even when he was looking for a job, he already knew how to kind of like market himself, right? And I'm like, that's brilliant, you know, because a lot of times people always look at what they don't have when coming into tech and not look at what they do have. So I tell people like, focus on the skills that are transferable, right? Like let's yep. say you worked as a pilot or as a teacher, 
um, and you want to join, you know, the tech industry, like look at the skills you already possess and see what you can bring into this new world. So yeah, it is possible. No, and, and actually one of my biggest breaks, you know, I'm a comparative literature major. I studied st cinema studies in college at UW. And uh, I got an opportunity at Microsoft, right? R really early on, it was, you know, I think a coordinator, administrator kind of position. I'm like, I just need a job. You know, you, you explain sometimes when you get out of college, you're like, why did I choose that degree again? You know, uh, you're right. not really, you're chasing a passion or a meaning and which is what I recommend everybody does, right? It worked out just fine for me and I was really lucky. Uh, but when I went into Microsoft, I was shocked at the amount of roles that are not technical the amount mm. of value I was bringing as a writer because a lot of the people around me were in highly intelligent business people, technical minds, uh, sales people, but nobody, not nobody, but uh, there was a need for a storyteller. There was a need for a uh, communicator. So I think that's one of the reasons that resonated with me personally is, yeah, there is, these companies have so many opportunities. And especially if you're looking to, let's say, pandemic proof your career right i mean i'm in the creative field now where we're telling stories and i'm also a technology executive and the people that are coming to me looking for advice jobs opportunities all i tell them is think about your strengths so you nailed that so let's talk a little bit about you know a career in tech having that mindset like you said anything is possible and maybe in the mind of i'm someone right now that's looking how do i break in uh, you know, get maybe a little bit of your story. How did you get the Microsoft opportunity? And then maybe a couple of steps you can give that people tangible things they can do to demystify it and go after a tech career. Yeah, so I'll say, you know, I didn't like, like I said, grew up thinking I wanted to be in tech or, you know, tech was a path for me. After deciding to go back to school, I came to Texas and I went to Sam Houston State University and decided to study computer science. Now, not everyone needs to study computer science. Um, you can go to a boot camp or self-teach yourself. But for me, I'm like, I really want to understand and I need teachers or people to help me when I don't get certain things. And it was senior year, you know, about to graduate. And I was just like, I actually know like, I don't know anyone in my industry right now. So like, what am I going to do after I graduate, right? Kind of the same scenario I faced the first time in college. And so basically, I had no network. Um, I had no kind of community to show me what's next. And I feel like that's something that a lot of college students go through. It's like, you're told to go to college, graduate, and then you're like, then what, you know? Um, especially if you're an immigrant or someone from an underrepresented group where, you know, your family or community isn't in that industry. It's hard to figure, figure out what to do next. So I kind of committed to, you know, for me, I'm a self, like a self learner in a sense. So I was like, okay, I don't really know much, but I'm going to do my best to figure out more about this industry. And so the first thing that came into my mind, I was like, hey, I can attend like tech events, right? I don't know why I didn't think about this earlier, but I was like, you know, when the pressure is on, you know, some creative thoughts comes in. And so I decided to apply um, to attend the Grace Hopper Conference, which is the biggest conference for women in computing. And I got a scholarship because most of this tech conferences can be expensive. And I remember attending and that was kind of the first time I saw like a lot of women in the, you know, STEM field or the computer science field. And, you know, the school that I went to, there wasn't that many women in my class or even black women, um, even my professors. I remember not having a single black professor in my computer science wow. class. So I didn't really think it was possible for me to be in that field because I didn't see representation earlier on. 
But going to this conference, you know, I saw women speaking, you know, showing the technology they're working on. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, there's hope for me in a sense. And it got me really excited and it really pushed me to aim for more, you know, because big tech companies like Microsoft, Amazon, you know, Facebook, they didn't come to recruit at my school. Um, but being in the place where kind of the action was happening and I could see people um, who looked like me, you know, presenting and talking, that really inspired me. So I, you know, try to do as much networking as possible. I remember going to a um, woman of color event, like Mixer that Google had. And I went there early because usually those lines are long to get in. And I remember talking to the lady, you know, besides me and she was like, hey, like, who are you? Like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm a student, but I don't know what I'm going to do after I graduate. And usually I'm not that honest up front, but I was yeah. like, hey, casual conversation. Roll with it, yeah. Exactly. And then she, you know, she was like, hey, have you heard about apprenticeships? You know, because I didn't have an internship, you know, while I was in college because I had to work and pay for school. And she, I was like, no, I've never heard about apprenticeships. Like, what are those? And she's like, well, Microsoft has an apprenticeship program. Um, basically, it's kind of like either um, a few weeks or to a month where you were given kind of like a project placed on a team. Um, and then you're invited to, you know, interview for a full-time position. Uh, she's like, hey, look into it. You know, just a casual conversation. I was like, okay, sure. I didn't really think anything of it. Um, and it's funny that, you know, sometimes someone can tell you something, but if you don't follow up and actually invest in that information, it never leads anywhere. So I was like, you know what, let me just figure this out. And so I looked up the program, I applied. I um, got into the program, you know, moved to Seattle uh, yeah. without like any guarantee of having a full time job and did like finished the whole program and I was able to get a full time offer after that. And so it's interesting just to see how, you know, sometimes just sharing a piece of information can really go a long way for someone. And that's why I'm so passionate about telling everyone everything that I learned. Because I'm not sure if it's the podcast or the LinkedIn post. I don't know what's going to inspire someone. So I try to do the best as I, as I can to share whatever I knew with everyone. You're amazing. Wow. I didn't know that that was kind of the, the way that you took that opportunity. And there's a couple of things there. Um, I think the networking piece is so key. And uh, yes. you mentioned you didn't find when you were in school there wasn't that role model, there wasn't that person like you, right? And then those big schools or those big companies weren't coming to your school, right? So instead of waiting for either the world to change or for the companies to say, I'm gonna go to that school and then come to you and hand deliver you an opportunity of a lifetime, you took a different approach. You went to where your audience was, where the tribe was, where the network is and you mm -hmm. went there and the thing that i think people are so stressed out about is networking is scary at first right and when we go talk to people uh my first two years of even attempting to say i'm networking with people i would just talk about the weather or the seahawks and <laughs> i would walk away and i'm like am i this lame am i like really this lame that all i could talk about is the weather and a sports team but i knew i wasn't comfortable yet mm -hmm. i wasn't comfortable in my own skin in my own story but the more you get comfortable to where you're just having a grace, a mod conversation, and it's not my title having a conversation with another title, it's amazing because the other person's always a human being. And yeah. so if you don't kind of just let loose and just say, I'm just having a tough time breaking in, they look and say, you know what, there's a program for you. It's underutilized. Uh, the people applying to it, you know, they might already have an in, right? So that person says, you know what, let me give you an opportunity. 
but it's your job as a as a person looking to take it to the next step to really capitalize yeah. and so i think that's the part that uh you know when i think about the moment i met you right so this was i think three years ago it was a small little uh place in capitol hill it was a a theater company uh, it was like a beautiful kind of brick wall it was like seating for like 15 people i met you noel la charity a few awesome other people but there was like six of us in the audience and the whole time you were talking i just kept seeing blogs videos podcasts right i'm like i'm so inspired by this person and she's way younger than me and just kind of starting to rise and so you took that and because there wasn't a network for you because there wasn't a tribe you're now creating your own uh, mediums like you talked about so let's talk about your podcast and how you're using that podcast to kind of speak to the younger you or maybe somebody that doesn't see themselves in tech for all those barriers. Let's talk a little bit about your podcast. Why specifically um, you're using that medium? And then also maybe some of the cool things that have come, some of the stories, some of the people telling you, hey, great job. I noticed it's a, a five-star rated podcast. It's a, you know, you're in season two. So I'd love for people to hear more about uh, your podcast. Yeah, it, you know, something I tell people often is that, you know, if you don't find a community, build it, right? If you don't find what you're looking for, create it. So in a sense, I'm creating something that I wish existed when I was in college, right? Um, now there's a lot of, you know, YouTube videos or podcasts about, you know, the technology itself. Like there's a bunch of videos about how to learn how to code to be a developer, which is great. We need more of that. But the realities of actual working in this industry or even the other opportunities, like you mentioned earlier, like there are non-technical positions in tech, but people don't know about them. They see the stereotypes in the movies where, okay, I just have to be hacking away or coding with away. The, with the hoodie on and like with a dark room. With the hoodie room. on and the dark. And it's like, for some people, you're like, that's not attractive to me. I don't want to do that. And they miss an opportunity to have a huge impact. And so for me, it took me a while, you know, the podcast launched um, in 2019, and I remember just having a lot of imposter syndrome because I'm like, I'm kind of like new in my career. Like, what do I have to say? Um, why should people care? Why should people listen? Um, but then again, I was like, okay, stop thinking about yourself, right? Like, I think that's another thing with imposter syndrome that I've noticed about me, and, and it's different for everyone, is that you focus on yourself and it paralyzes you from helping other people. So I told myself, okay, who are you trying to help and why, you know? And it's kind of like, okay, yeah, it's not about me anymore. You know, it's about other people who are struggling. And, you know, the audience is for early, early career folks, you know, black and brown folks who want to be in this industry, but don't really know the other opportunities, up, up, sorry, the other opportunities that are available to them. And so when I launched the podcast, the goal was to, you know, interview a lot of diverse voices doing great work um, from different companies. So I've interviewed people from Netflix, Amazon. Um, it just, it, and at the same time, it also helps me build my network because now I have a diverse group of people that I can um, talk to regularly if I need career advice or if I'm looking to switch, you know, roles or things like that. And so my goal was to really demystify the world of tech. And obviously it sounds really big and like ambiguous, but, you know, I feel like if I'm focused on helping one person, you know, that can go a long way. And so with the interviews that I have, 
the conversation that I have, it's been really rewarding to see people say, hey, thank you so much for highlighting, you know, how to be, you know, a program manager or how to take, you know, ownership of my career. And it's just having these conversations that are usually not amplified. And so I'm glad that I have this medium. And for me, I consume a lot of podcasts. You know, that's the medium that I love receiving information and it's easy for me um, to receive. And that's why I chose podcasting because it doesn't feel like a job or it doesn't feel like, oh, this is a lot of work because I already enjoy learning from this medium. Absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're enjoying that too with the brand transformers for the same reasons. You know, uh, I've always been somebody that's hypercritical of myself and in my career and it's helped me get to where I am. Right. So, uh, in many ways, sometimes you got to silence that inner voice and just get yeah. it out there. You know, we call it, uh, um, actually Tim Salau, who I know, you know, he's like, just ship it, you know? And then I'm like, Hey, I can't just ship the content. You know, I got to kind of curate it, make it good. But, uh, you see the people that are prolific at it, that are some of the best in the world. They're just putting content out there. And I think, yeah, part of your progression in your career that I noticed, you know, from that room when I saw you in person to seeing you transfer that online um, and then seeing some speaking opportunities that you started to get, um, you know, at Microsoft. And I think, uh, was it either Inspire or Ignite? One of those events, I Ignite. think you had a, was yeah. it Ignite? Can you talk a little bit about Ignite and just that feeling of you're now on a stage with this huge global audience. You know, what does that feel like, you know, for that kid that didn't know what they wanted to do? Now you're speaking to one of the most incredible, you know, you know, impacting companies in the world that also transformed its brand in the last few years. So what did that feel like? Yeah, it's definitely surreal. Um, I think sometimes I forget to like pause and kind of like take it all in and reflect. But, you know, during the season, I've had a lot of time to reflect. Um, I spoke for the first time at, I think, uh, Microsoft Build in 2018, just sharing my experience of um, what it is to, you know, be a black woman in tech and how I got into the industry. And then last year at Microsoft Ignite, um, I had opportunity also to host one of the key segments. And a lot of it has just been me, you know, saying yes to opportunity because when I think about it, it's nerve wracking because I'm not like a speaker. I never set out to be like, oh, I'm going to be a public speaker yeah. or, you know, I want to host events. But for me, and especially to be honest, as an immigrant, you know what you came from. And so when you see opportunities that you've worked hard for, it's hard to say no, you know, and I think for me as someone who um prioritize personal growth and career growth and always on the lookout to say hey is what i'm doing you know helping other people you know and i mentioned how i didn't see people like me growing up in tech and so i'm like okay it's not just for me i know if other people of color or other black women i'm um, able to see me on this stages then they know hey i think it's possible to be a woman in tech and to be at this level of sharing you know my experiences to a global audience and so um, whatever I do, it's not only just, oh, look at me, pay attention to me. I, it's not about that. It's more about knowing that there is someone like watching and saying like, hey, like if she can do it, why can't I, you know? And it's been amazing going through that process and building that part of my personal brand. That's so cool. Yeah, I think if you stop and think about it too much, you'll let you kind of the nerves take over. Uh, and so um, one of the things that I tell people is always try to get to yes, all right? If it's um, it, when the opportunity presents itself, it's a very famous quote, you know, Richard Branson's like, say yes and figure it out. Yeah. 
And, you know, I have people reaching out and saying, oh, I'm a public speaking coach and I do all this stuff. I'm like, hey, just because I do that doesn't mean that's my profession or what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I just enjoy to do it. And I think part yeah. of your success is you're not a professional public speaker. You're relatable. Yeah. Uh, you know, you said something on one of your podcasts, if you can repeat it, it was kind of like these three steps. You said uh, relatable, marketable, memorable. Is that it? Or is that the right order? Um, Something like that. I think, you know, a lot of times, you know, we pe- people focus on perfection, you know, and I think that if you're able to use what you have where you're at, then you're able to be relatable because you're not trying to act like something that you're not. Even if you're an expert, you know, I think that no one wants people to say, hey, do this, you know, if, become like me and all that stuff. It's like, okay, great. You're successful. I'm not. You have nothing to offer. Um, but I think when we're real with people and authentic, that's when people can really buy into our story or even to the content that we're sharing. So from a perspective of building personal brand, you know, people say, you know, bring your real self to work or be yourself. And sometimes it may sound cliche because it's like, okay, cool, whatever. But I think that's really key because I feel like we're in a space where, you know, everyone's putting content out there, but not a lot of people are being real, right? Or even passionate about what they are putting out. And so you're able to distinguish yourself when you are yourself and people can tell, oh, this is who this person is on and off camera, right? Online and offline. And that is something that, you know, can go a long way. Yeah, I think the personal brand journey is important because uh, it's not a one size fits all people. um, You know, somebody said something to me like you never know kind of the inner turmoil going on in somebody's life or in their head. And, um, you know, a lot of the times that when I've managed teams uh, or somebody where I thought, you know, they're like me and at that time in my career and I say, why are they not grabbing that opportunity? Why are they not doing it? And I get kind of frustrated and then I think about it and it's it's a different journey. It's a different, you know, they're chasing a different meaning. They're chasing a different value. So you can't tell somebody what to do. You can just share what you've done. And then hopefully people that are like you, that are looking for somebody like you to help them, guide them, it resonates with them. So I think if we touch four or five people's careers and help shape them and that's what i love most is when people come back and it's those ones and twos you know and they say this was the moment and that's something i spent this entire year doing throughout this pandemic is sending personalized notes calling my mentors and just making sure to thank them because i was like you just so busy kind of trying to achieve achieve i didn't ever pause to say who helped me get here Am I even enjoying this moment? Am I in the moment or am I a year ahead upset that I haven't accomplished more? So that's really cool. I think the imposter syndrome always keeps popping up, you know, and it's, you know, and many people know what it is. Many people don't. People probably feel it, but don't know what it is. Can you describe imposter syndrome and especially in the tech world and how it's not just in the tech world, but maybe specifically how that kind of feels and maybe weighs on your anxieties or other people's anxieties and it stops them from really capturing that moment and seizing opportunities? Yeah, I mean, imposter syndrome is different for a lot of people, but at its core, it's feeling like you don't belong and people are going to find out like, hey, how did you get in here and kind of like point you out. And in tech, it's a real thing because there's so much to learn at any given moment, right? It's like you, it's technology is always booming and always growing and just like, okay, whenever you find yourself, especially in big companies, people are just like, okay, do I deserve to be here? You know, like, what if they find out that I don't know this one programming language or this one thing? And it's like, Honestly, everyone is so concerned about themselves that they don't really care about you, to be honest. And that's something I've discovered where 
no matter what level i've talked to a lot of people who are you know seniors who've been even in my company for like a long time and it's like yeah that's still a concern for them where it's just like okay do i know enough for this new level that i'm at and so i think that a lot of people can relate to being like okay like you know i don't have to have to all figure it out um as long as i have that growth mindset to continue growing and learning i should be okay and you know one of the you know people that i really look up to and someone i interviewed on my podcast angie jones gave a practical tip of how to like kind of battle imposter syndrome she's like you know take a timer put it for like you know i think was it two minutes right and then in those two minutes write down everything you've ever accomplished you know um uh, even if it's graduating from college or you learn how to cook like just write it down because sometimes like i said we don't pause and reflect about how far we've come as an individual always focusing on what we don't have or what we don't know and so i think a good way to combat imposter syndrome is really pausing and saying okay how did i get to where i'm at right and really you know believe that you deserve to be where you're at i know for a lot of black people it's hard you know in tech because you're like okay am i here because i'm a diverse hire or am i here because of my skill um and it's hard but i might tell people it's like hey like for black people you know the bar sometimes is raised higher because you have to prove yourself that oh i do deserve to be here and sometimes you work twice as hard but i tell people you know believe that you're worthy of the space that you're in you know and own that space and so it's a constant battle. I don't think you're ever going to be like, oh, yeah, I beat imposter syndrome. It's it's more about just learning how to manage it and moving forward. That's such great advice. You know, I think even when you think you figure it out, something like a pandemic happens. And even if you're in your oh, 40s yeah. and 50s and you're a top level executive, but you don't know how to do virtual meetings, you cannot communicate mm-hmm. clearly when you're not in person. Those people are feeling like imposters right now. Right. And they're thinking, wait a second, this new upstart might take my job because they know how to lead teams virtually. Or, But I think they're smart enough to know this is a moment in time. This is how we respond to mm-hmm. it. You know, it would be a wasted opportunity if I didn't talk to you about diversity and inclusion, and especially when you talked about black people in technology, and um, especially with everything going on, you know, with social injustice in the world. It's It's just so much is up in the air for the average day American. And it's hard for people to put themselves in the shoes of somebody who's black, who's trying to be in a tech world or trying to do something with their lives, but they're facing these barriers. I just love to you, there's no real question here. I think you're somebody that understands diversity and inclusion, but what would you say to our audience in terms of ways they can empathize in the moment and things that they can do not just you know post a black square on instagram right i mean i think people you know even that would there was a lot of backlash to that but i knew Mm. why people did it because people say i don't know what to say right and they say if i say something and then somebody else says what are you saying you know there's this fear that i'm going to be erased as well right which i think people that are racist deserve to be erased right like we don't even need to go down that route but i think i kind of understand why people did the black tile they went okay i'm supporting this i just don't know what to say but then people said wow that's all you're gonna do so can you give us some tangible things people can do and i know that we talked about you don't have to be the expert, Grace, but I think you're a voice of reason here and, and you are an expert in diversity and inclusion. So just give us some tips here. How can we be more empathetic as a society? So, you know, everyone responds to this differently and it's been a very traumatizing year for a lot of black people, especially when it comes to 
still showing up at work, putting a smile on your face and acting like nothing has happened. Um, And, you know, in terms of people who want to be allies or people who want to be active and fighting against racism and being anti-racist, I think recognize that we're going through a lot of pain, right? And, you know, there are different ways how you can respond to other people's pain. You know, one part is apathy. We're like, oh, okay, like who cares? And then there's sympathy and then there's empathy, you know, but going a bit further is compassion, right? And compassion is that thing that you imagine being that person's shoes, but you remove to action, right? It's not enough to be sympathetic, right? And empathy is good, you know, because you can really feel for that person and want to be there. Um, but having that compassionate mindset of like, no, I have to do something. And it might be, you know, people say posting, but we can do more than that, right? You know, and so I think that people need to, who who wanna be allies, you say like, hey, okay, what kind of privilege do I have that I can leverage to uplift other black folks within my company, within my organization, within my community or my network? Because the big thing that we talk about is, you know, access, right? Or even justice, right? Why is it that when black people are being brutalized, it's like, oh, they deserve it. And it's like, no, they don't. You know, even if they do, they don't deserve to die yeah. the way that they do. Um, so I tell people, like, whatever privilege you have, you know, bring this to awareness. Like, speak about it to your family members, to those who are close to you. Start that conversation um, and really leverage your privilege to share what is going on, you know, and not just, you know, act like it never happened or just ignore it completely. And so I would say using compassion to drive action, to make change, because we need that right now. And so go out and vote, you know, make sure that you're being active and you're being, you know, attentive to what's happening. Um, And I know like a lot of black people are going through a lot right now. So don't try to like reach out all the time because it can get a little bit annoying, but do what you can do with what you have, like on your own, you know, educate the people around you. And I think that goes a long way and yeah i think it's going to be a constant you know journey but i do feel you know as an optimist that we're moving forward because at least now we can talk about it on a podcast you know we can talk about it at work you know so i feel like we've made a bit of progress but there's so much more we have you know left to go and so i i do feel like i'm I'm grateful for those who want to help and it's about time that people really spoke up and really stand for something you know it's one thing to be against something but it's another thing to stand for something so you know ask yourself what do i stand for and how am i taking action to show that i stand for those things and so i hope that people are brave enough to take a stance um and fight for racial you know justice that's so beautiful i think you know especially when we're telling people just be compassionate i think that's that's what people need right now and they need to uh listen to those voices that really understand what it's like to be in those shoes and uh you know throughout my career it's it's interesting diversity is starting to happen it took forever um but you know everything from uh, you know gender identity things that i never saw in the workplace i didn't even (laughs) think so i think there's a systemic change that needs to happen and it needs to happen at kind of both ends of the spectrum you know some people that are set in their ways they're not going to change and they were raised in a certain construct and in a certain environment where stuff was tolerated and they learned the wrong stuff at infancy right and there's change agents like you there's brand transformers that are here right now that are using their voice there are being people that other people can look at and say wow that's a leader i'm going to follow that leader right 
there's people like myself that I am not white, but I I write Caucasian on on a uh, exam because Lebanese Middle Eastern people are put into a certain segment. So I've lived my whole life with a certain level of privilege I didn't even know I had. But then things happened, you know, 9-11, being here as a nine-year-old, you know, coming from the Gulf. You know, I came from Kuwait because of the Gulf War. But people here thought, this guy's coming from Iraq, the country that attacked me, right? So on my first day, people are asking me, do you want to play football? I'm thinking it's soccer. Well, it ended up being American football, and I ended up getting, like, beat up as a nine-year-old on my playground because they wanted to beat up the guy that they thought was the bad guy right and but but these are nine-year-old kids they're just talking about what their parents are talking about at home they we don't hate each other on you know when we meet each other so it's kind of great to see what you're doing and i think that's feedback people can use right it's you know listen be compassionate, empathize where needed, and know when you're called on to step up or think about what you can do, right? You know, there's programs we can join. There's roles we can open up to diverse hires, right, as managers and as people. Um, And I think it makes for a better leadership team. It makes for a better team environment to have as many different voices and as many different backgrounds. So thanks for touching a little bit on that. I think we can do an entire series of podcasts and I recommend people uh, follow you and kind of learn from you um, along that journey because we are just at the beginning, but it's good that we can talk about it now. I think that's fantastic. Um, So for the next segment, you know, it's kind of a fun thing we do and we call it IPAs and KPIs. And the reason we call it IPAs and KPIs is IPAs have a great story about, uh, you know, being a beer and not being able to reach India because, you know, back in the colonization days, uh, people from England and India needed their beer. But by the time, you know, the carriage got all the way to India, the beer was rotten, right? So they decided to come up with a new kind of way to brew the beer on the journey and add extra hops. And by the time it got to India... It was good beer, but it was very hoppy and and it tasted a little bit different. So they called it India Pale Ale. And that's kind of the story behind it. And I thought, wow, that's kind of cool. Because to me, I was like, IPAs, it's like some hipster in Capitol Hill. He's got a cool mustache and he loves to drink a bitter beer. So then I kind of looked into it and I was like, wow, there's always a story behind everything, right? And then... The KPIs don't need a lot of explanations. I think with every story, we have the opportunity to measure, measure success, measure the success of our careers. So I'm wondering, you know, kind of as I think about you and in your life, um, you know, in my mind, what IPA would represent you, right? And so we try to kind of name an IPA after one of our guests. So for you, Grace, I'm going to choose the Space Dust IPA because I don't think the sky is the limit for you. I think it's the universe is the limit. And the way you are able to unlock your own potential, but then unlock and help people unlock their potential is why I think you're a brand transformer and Space Dust IPA is the best to represent you. So I know you don't drink IPAs. I didn't really think that this one through. Yeah. Uh, but I know you're gonna have a, a green tea, which yes. is you said something you have every green day. Green tea. I love it. Awesome. All right, we'll take a, a sip, and I'll okay. have a, a space dust here. Love it. Not, nothing like a, a, a nice green tea and a beer after a long, hard week, right? Yeah. So, 
Grace, I talked about IPAs being really the story and then, you know, the KPIs being the metrics. So as you think about your life, your experience, your background and the plethora of stories that you have, is there a story that stands out to you um, and then ways you measured success as that relates to that story? So, for example, maybe a goal that you set and the steps that it took to get there and how you kind of measured what success looked like to you or maybe just a, an anecdote or a story you want to inspire our audience with. Do you have anything top of mind? Yeah, I mean, we've talked a, a bit about the podcast, but, um, you know, it took me a year from when I wanted to do a podcast to when I actually launched because, like I said, I was just like, what am I talking about? Like, who would listen? Who's going to listen to this? Like, yeah. it was just a lot of, like, self-doubt. Um, but for me, something that... I try to develop is like my mindset, having that growth mindset of like, okay, even though I don't have everything like figured out, like I'm going to start before I'm ready. And so that was the biggest thing where I was like, the, the first episode launched, I think in December of last year. And I'm like, I can't let this year end without putting something out there. Um, and it just goes to show, you know, there's some things that, you know, a lot of people were thinking about, you know, creating, putting out there, but we are the ones limiting ourselves. And I feel like when you're able to position other people like, okay, why am I doing this? Like, who can I help? It's a bit easier to be like, okay, I can't delay anymore because I know there are other people who will benefit from this. And so I remember talking to like my brothers and everyone trying to like, hey, what should I do? And they're like, please just put it already. You've talked about this so much. Like, just put the podcast out. And I'll say something. When, when I came to Seattle, I'd never visited. You know, I never, I didn't even know what Seattle was in a sense. So when I moved out for the apprenticeship program, my biggest thing was building community, right? I'm just like, okay, who are other black women in the community like me, or other people of color in the community like me? And for the first year, I really invested in community, not just mine, but helping build others, you know, like either that's, you know, Black Girls Code or um, Future For Us um, based in Seattle. And I was just like, yeah, like how can I really help other people who are already doing the work um, and just show up for them. And so when I launched the podcast, I was really blown away by the support because I'm like, oh, wow, like all this time they have invested in other people, you know, obviously not knowing that I would need that support later. Uh, it was just great to see my community showing up for me, you know. And so if I had to kind of give like my blueprint for success, it's first, first of all, having that growth mindset to be like, hey, like I don't have to have everything perfectly or all put together to create or to share with others what I'm learning. And second of all, like build your, you know, your community. And if you're not able to, you know, engage with community, like help other people, you know, show up for other people. And I think when you need it, they will be there for you. Um, one of my guests on one of the episodes said, you know, build your network before you need it, you know, build your community before you need it. And I think that that's something that is relatable to anyone in regards of your industry, in regards of your you know role. I think that in this day and age, we've all seen how important relationship is. You know, that's why you know if it's family, friends, coworkers, you know, we all long to be like together with people. It's so hard to be separated, and so we we're, we can see the value that relationship and people have during this time. So I I tell people like, hey, believe in yourself, have a growth mindset, and invest in building communities. 
That's so cool. Yeah, I think uh, you're a mentor at Year Up and then Husky Nation as well. Is that another group that you're in? Yeah, and the University I was trying of- to keep track of your groups, <laughs> but then uh, I didn't have enough room on my screen. So there's so okay. many ways. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's uh, uh, I know a little bit what that career feels like at Microsoft, and I know a little bit of how um, you know busy busy you can be but then also to be able to leverage your free time whatever you have to then mentor that's why you're such an inspiration to me is I think that you're just scratching that potential you're just unlocking your even your own potential and then you're as with the growth mindset you realize it's never going to end you know we're mm-hmm. not uh, professional baseball players you know with a 10-year shelf life right I think in our 50s 60s 70s and with the way healthcare is going and how long we're going to be able to live is if you have a growth mindset man i'm excited to see what i'm doing at 65 70 you know maybe i'll finally become an artist and move to spain who knows right uh but i think that's part of the reason uh you know i wanted to speak with you and then one last thing that i love to do is trying to get people to you know succinctly wrap everything you know their their mission in life you know their the way that they see their outlook for things into a hashtag and i know that's hard to do but if you were going to say this is grace mcjones this is what i'm about or this is what i want to leave you with or this is how i want to empower you empower you and you want it to be a hashtag that really is associated with you can you think of something that would kind of resonate um that encapsulates all that is grace Ooh, that's kind of hard. Um, I know. I love putting people on the spot on this I one. know. I would definitely say the future is bright. I, I think that a lot of people right now are hopeless. Um, and, you know, without hope, there is no future, right? Because we hope for tomorrow. We hope for something better. Um, and not to take away from all the pain and trauma people are experiencing right now, but knowing that you can feel that pain and still be hopeful, knowing that you can go through that job loss and still be hopeful. And so that's kind of the outlook I have on life, not because, you know, and this is not positive talks, you know, this I think it was a term for toxic positive positivity. And I'm like, that's, that's not it. Idea. You know, there are things that are bad and we call it out. Um, but a framework for me, my mentality is like, hey, like things will get better. You know, this is not the time to say, oh, how worse, you know, can it get? It's I think a time yeah. to say, um, will things get better, you know, and I hope it does get better. So it's all about, you know, your mindset and your framework. And so I would just say there's hope for the future. I love it. You know, I started off uh, saying that you're one of the brightest minds and in, in the way that you light up a room and having the brightest smile as well in technology. And then you end it with the future is bright. So I think your positive outlook is something that's contagious. It's inspiring. It's empowering. It's such a privilege to know you and to, uh, for you to be with us today. I think I, I want to thank you on behalf of everyone listening and everyone at Enviho and the Brand Transformers. Thank you so much, Grace. Uh, I think we talked a little bit about your podcast. So where can people follow you? Where And I think you're probably across all mediums, but where's the best place they can get in touch with you? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to have a conversation with someone who is as hopeful for the future and loves to highlight other voices. So I'm excited to be here. But yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, um, Grace McJones, or even on Twitter. I've been active on there more recently um, at Grace McJones, but always happy to connect with people um, and to you know share the podcast with people and tech on law. Listen on Apple, Google, anywhere like you listen to um, your audio podcast. And we're also on YouTube. So tech unlocked.
Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much. We'll be following your journey and we appreciate the conversation and you have a great day. Thank you, Grace. Thank you. The Brand Transformers podcast is brought to you by Envijo. The brand science meets creative vision. Every brand has a story. We're here to help you tell it.